You're listening to the Beyond the Pew with Rev. John podcast. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to come together and record a podcast. How awesome it is, Lord, that you put this idea in our heads so that we could reach the masses, reach the people in a new way, an exciting way, so that we can talk about you, talk about people, and talk about you loving people so that they all know that. Lord, we ask that you just be with us today as we sit here and talk about your word and what it means to us and help us to to use the proper words and help us to use the proper meaning behind it. Lord, let us not be wrong. Lord, we don't seek out to be wrong in this. And we love you for all that you are and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, for everybody listening, what we're doing is, this is really episode number two. Uh, I'm with a friend from church who is an awesome guy named Dennis Smith. Uh, Dennis is going to do a lot of these with me, I hope. Uh, it's a very, he and I were discussing something at church one night, uh, and I just, it just kind of just, it was just obvious to me that I had to have him on here as much as possible because the guy is very knowledgeable, very understanding of scriptures, uh, very articulate. He doesn't have a silly accent like me. <laughs> and, uh, so we can get together and do this. Uh, so Dennis, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, so before we get started, like I said, we're going to be on this uh, hopefully a few times so that people get to know you. Um, or you're from uh, the San Diego area? Uh, yes. San Diego. And you joined the military. I uh, so, joined the military at 18, uh, 19, met my wife, been married 27 years, uh, got out of the service, went back in the service, and I retired here in Louisiana. And you did how long in the army? A total of fourteen years. Oh, really? And you got out. You went in, enlisted, and you got out as a officer. It? Officer, yeah. So you went to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, some of these people don't understand that. So well, that's okay. Uh, so, and then for your ministry side uh, of who you are, um, tell us about. You went to Bible college, or you went just a. Uh, I got my degree through Regent University. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, um, in the Norfolk area, Virginia Beach. It's master's in practical theology. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Way more educated than me. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Mostly, you know, that was just the Lord calling me back. Because calling me back, not only to the church, but to ministry. And for me to have a better understanding of the word for myself. That's the path he, you know, guided me to go towards. Absolutely. That's good. Well, see, I, I was, uh, I grew up in North Georgia, Western North Carolina. I spent a lot of time, and this is where we're going with this conversation today. Uh, I spent a lot of time, once my parents divorced, uh, when I was like 11. Uh, one weekend, I was in one denomination, and the next weekend, I was in another denomination. 
and those two in my area where I grew up are, you know, conflict and argue almost as if they're the Catholics and the British when it comes to the the you know Protestants and the and the Catholics you know the Irish and stuff like that the whole thing, and, but there's obviously no no literal fighting but there's a lot of arguments constantly and um, and I remember uh, as I got older I joined the Navy uh, I met my wife and she's from here in Louisiana so that's why I'm here <laughs> uh, I'm one of the few people who could say the Navy brought me to Dritter you know um, but it was. Uh, when I started preaching, I realized how insane that conflict was uh, and how awesome it is that I even tried to get a relationship with God because a lot of people deal with those conflicts and they instantaneously run away from church because why would you want to be a part of anything where people are constantly yelling and arguing and they get mad and they storm off of a job or storm out of a class or whatever. You know, um, When we do that, the people that are sitting around us they are, why would I want to be a part of that? You know, and I understand that. I mean, I can't be upset when, when you say that your reason for not going to church is because the two ladies at your church, at your work that are, or two men at your work that are the strongest religious people fight constantly. Why would you want to go to church? I get that. Um, but that's what we're going to talk about here. Uh, and, and so it kind of worked out that way for me. Uh, I'm like Brother Tim Stevens. I can bring stuff back around. You know, he's, he's about the best I've ever seen. Uh, so we're going to read. Oh, what translation do you use? Mostly uh, NRSV. 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 I don't know. New that. Revised Standard Version. Okay, I use the NASB. Uh, and if you want to talk about, I don't know if it's for where you're from, but where I'm from, if you want to split a church up, is you start talking about translations. I am not opposed to any translation. I agree with what one guy said. The best translation is the one you'll read and apply. See, and that's. NASB is the other one I use. That's mine. Um, mostly because going through for my degree, there's only like three translations they really accepted for theology. NASB, NRSV, and the RSV. Really? Right. Not even like the King James or anything? King James was not allowed at all. Really? Because the inaccuracies well, in the language... Upset. <laughs> you just said so. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I, there are inaccuracies. There are. There's things added in there, and and we. That's a. I'm. I'm. That is an entire episode in and of itself. And, right. And I'm looking forward to that one because I grew up on it, and I still quote it. If you hear me quote scriptures, a lot of times it is King James because that's what I grew up knowing. See, and like you just said, and that's one of the things I we discussed a lot in our discussions when I was in class was, you know, best. Translation is the one that someone's actually going to read, the Call one that it. they can understand. Um, I grew up Episcopal, which is the American name for Church of England. Okay. There was only the King James. Wow. Trying to grow up and read that and not understand it and get told, well, you're just not reading it enough. Yeah. But I don't understand it. <laughs> so um, It made reading Shakespeare in high school a lot easier, didn't it? People were like, people were like, how are you reading Shakespeare so fast? I can't read anything fast. Well, I grew up reading the King James Bible. I just got into Shakespeare and just right through it because it's, right. uh, you know, it's not the same, but it's, it's but yeah, uh, that's a whole nother. Yeah, hot, it's a, hot absolutely. That's yeah, a very hot button. And, and, and that's part of what we do in this podcast is to have conversations that are hot button, but do it with love because ultimately back to what we're going to talk about, 
there needs to be unity in the church, and there's a yes. lack of unity. There's unity in the, in the congregations, you know, but then there's not unity in congregations because of people like certain types of this and that. So, uh, I'm going to read. There's nine nine verses. Uh, I've read it 15 times so so that I know all the words in it, so I don't mispronounce it. Uh, so over the last couple of days, so Genesis 11 and uh, start with verse one, which is cool about this. These nine verses are in and of themselves could be its own chapter. It doesn't have. I mean, the fact that it's not with other, the fact that it's not its own chapter has to be just its shortness. Uh, we go from reading about uh, Noah in chapter ten, or from six all the way to ten. And then in the middle of chapter 11, or starting with verse 10, we read about the, uh, the genealogy of Noah and how that relates to Abraham. So we were introduced to Abraham in chapter 11 of Genesis, but there's nine verses that's its own amazing uh, little study here. So, uh, so Genesis 11, oh yeah, I'll make sure my phone's turned out. Uh, Genesis 11, verse 1, uh, it says, Now the uh, whole earth used the same language and the same words. We'll get back to that one. Same words. It came about that they journeyed east, and they came, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us, for our, let us build for ourselves a city, and a tower whose top will reach into the heavens. And let us make for ourselves a name, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5 says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And, and this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go, and let us confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. For the Lord scattered them abroad from there on the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because they were there the Lord confused their language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad from the face of the whole earth." Um, I remember reading that one day. I don't remember where I was. And there's a bunch of verses that kind of popped out to me. Um, but the, the majority of it is uh, that they were together. There was unity in that group. This is the, I mean, who knows how many people this is. This is after uh, Noah, after the flood. So this is after, uh, this is all descendants of Noah and and there's who knows how many we don't know it doesn't specify, but there was a unity there. They all had the same language. They all had, and I love it. That it says they had the same words. And for me, that's kind of cool because even though people in Georgia speak English and people in California speak English, and speak English, people in New York speak English, people in Louisiana speak a type of English, we all have different words, you know. And and it's interesting because. Um, I can sit here and we can rattle them off for hours about the different things that we say in our colloquial words right. uh, that, and I just thought it was amazing that they all had the same words. Uh, and so there was no language gap. Right. Yeah. That, that really, that first verse just jumped out at me too. Cause 
being prior military, traveling to different countries that are English speaking, but have words that no clue what they're talking about. Oh yeah. Um, you know, or even around the country. I mean, like I said, I grew up Southern California. I go to basic training in Georgia and stationed in North Carolina. <laughs> and so that was the other way around. So, they, yeah. they started talking about, you know, a holler, and I'm like, a what? Yeah. Yeah. But you get to different, that's the key, it's the same words. So there was no translation barrier. Yeah, absolutely. And that just really hit me right there, the same words. Because you can speak the same language. Exactly. But the same words means there's no, well, what do you mean? What's that? You don't have to stop and figure it out. Um, I just really blew my mind on oh, that yeah. one verse. Yeah. I don't want to stay on it too long, but uh, I, I want to give it an example of a colloquial word. And it's so colloquial, colloquial being a local word. Um, it's such a colloquial word. It's only in my county where I grew up. If you literally go to a county around it, people don't know the word. And, as, and unless you've moved over there and you've taken the word with you, but for the most part, you go to uh, there in Clayton, Georgia, if you go up to Franklin or over to Hiawassee or even down to like Cornelia, Habersham County and stuff like that, nobody knows what it is. And the word is ushi. It's ushi. I, know, I can't even spell it. I don't even know how to spell it. And the idea is like if somebody opens the door and a cold breeze comes up your shirt and it just gives you that cold chill, you wouldn't, just, you wouldn't go, ooh, you'd be like, ooshie, you know. And 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 it's and that's silly. It's absolutely silly. Uh, but when I joined the Navy, I went to Chicago. So uh, in the wintertime, and, and I had to explain that word constantly. And I got sick and tired of explaining that word so much that I quit using it because I got tired of explaining it. Um, and it kind of hurts my heart thinking back on it. Man, I wish I'd, I I wanted to be, stay true to myself. And so... Um, but anyway, so, uh, uh, that, that was that, I mean, I have it underlined same language, same words. That's crazy. And that's something that's always been, uh, but it says, and they came to a place called Shinar and they built the, the, the tower. They said, let's build a tower. And again, that was the, uh, you know, back in the, back in them days, the fact that they had enough sense to use that. Is uh, still amazes me. I mean, I'm not that people were stupid back then, but it's just kind of is neat to think that in just a short amount of time they're using mortar and rocks and sand and they're burning them. And I don't even know if I could come up with that without being told that, you know. Uh, it's but what I what I really got was um, that they were together. They had a purpose. They had a mission. There was no. Uh, I mean, it doesn't say they argued about it, but I'm sure the design of the city wasn't perfect. I mean, they probably didn't like the design sometimes, but uh, but that's conjecture. We don't know. That's just our thoughts. Yeah, that's the one thing that they don't discuss. There was no discussion of a hierarchy or a ruling class. Yeah. Just that they came together. Yeah, there was a unity. Yeah. So that unity, I mean, maybe they just conjecture again, but maybe it was... They said this is the best functional design. So, I mean. Oh, absolutely. And we never know. I mean, there's always paintings of what the tower looked like. Right. Which, we don't know. You know, and that, the, and there's one um, I was reading last night in the New Living Translation. It said, uh, build a uh, tower which will reach into the sky. So, um, we don't really know. That's This was. 
thousands of years ago, so we'll never know until we get to heaven. But the 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 premise is still there. But I do think it's funny that in verse four, they knew that there was a possibility of being scattered abroad. Seeing that, yeah, that right there too is one was why the desire to suddenly let's stop and build a great city. You know when they most likely had been tribal or nomad but that yeah where did that fear of already becoming scattered come from that they wanted to build a city to stay together that they were afraid of being scattered was it still stories from the flood was it where did they get that fear already of being scattered yeah because this is one family you know this is the descendants of noah you know so they're they're i mean of course Families don't always get along, so, I mean, but, the again, we don't know how many people this is. This could be, you know, 10,000 people. This could be 1,000 people. We don't really know. Um, but the fact, you know, that they were somehow aware of the possibility of being scattered is something that's kind of always made me, uh, like, wait a minute, is that just... I don't know. You just wonder how that got added or, or what, what when God showed Moses this, because God showed Moses and he wrote Genesis. Uh, and I'm sure I've always thought this, too, that when when Moses is up there writing Genesis and uh, all the all the books of the Pentateuch, uh, you know, he's probably going, what? <laughs> you know, I didn't know. That's crazy. Like, that's how that happened. As he's writing it, he's like, what? This is nuts, you know, because. I'm sure that they didn't know a lot by word of mouth, but he's he's receiving this. I mean, from from the uh, Adam and Eve. I mean, I'm sure there were stories, but you you also have to realize that you go from Adam and Eve until an entire planet full of people, uh, and then it all back down to eight people again, and then back out again to what we have today. So, not only that, you go from him being raised in the Pharaoh's house. <laughs> So you go from many religions with many, many gods down to, no, I am the one true living God. I mean, that alone had to just be that mind-blowing epiphany to him that, wait, there's not a God for everything. There's just one that does it all. Absolutely. And it's what, so with verse 5, it says, uh, the Lord came down to see the city which the son of man had built. And this is, this is where I think this story is so, um, this is where I believe we, this is the beginning for me. Uh, verse six, it says, the Lord said, the Lord didn't have to think it. The Lord didn't have to just know it. But the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have the same language and that which they began to do uh, and now nothing, and now nothing which they propose to do will be impossible for them. So in verse six, we read where God said with His mouth, out loud, uh, or whatever mouth God has, He said it. It was a God spoke and created everything, and so God says that with them all in one mind and one accord. You know, jumping ahead of myself there. Uh, uh, with with all in that one place that nothing is impossible for them. Now, we know that in Genesis 11 that the devil is already on the planet. The devil's already been cast out of heaven. 
And we know that at this point, looking at the timeline, uh, that the that I believe personally, this has always been my feeling of this. I believe that this is the beginning of the church split. When when God said that when they're together, nothing is impossible to them. I believe the devil had a revelation to say, wait a minute, all I got to do is keep them separated and they can't accomplish anything. You know, that, that to me, I mean, again, that's just opinion. That's just my belief in that. But I believe that that is where it's got to got its starting point where the devil said, okay, now this church is trying to build a new sanctuary. Um, this church is trying to buy another building, but you know, how can I keep them separated? How can I keep them twisted in this? I've heard of churches, and I meant to go online and ask people to give me their craziest church split stories, and uh, so we can you know have some examples right here. But uh, I've heard now I don't have one hundred percent confirmation, but I've heard of churches splitting over the color of carpets, or or carpet versus hardwood. Yes, or. Uh, the the we've all seen ministers come in the churches and a bunch of the congregation leave, you know, because they don't like that guy or or there was a a vote, you know, and there's a lot of churches that have a vote for a preacher, but they have like two or three, and a lot of them won't take the job if they don't get seventy five percent of the vote. If they only get fifty one percent, that means half the church don't want me here. I don't want to take the job. I don't want to cause a problem. Um, but I've seen churches just split. And uh, and one of the churches I kind of grew up in was Faith Baptist Church, and it was a great church. It was great people. Uh, Pastor Ronnie Owens was uh, amazing, and I've got a lot of friends from there. It was just a good time while we were there. And then years later, I found out that that church was a split from the Windy Gap Baptist Church. But it was good. It was still a good place, good church. But it was a church split, you know, and who knows why they split? Who knows the story behind it? But I believe that right here we see the breakdown of the unity and the origin. And, and again, my opinion, I see that this is where the devil goes, hey, wait a minute. Keep them separated. Yeah, and I look at like the Reformation. It was almost a split to come back to this to get yes. everybody to be able to read the Bible themselves, to read the Word of God without being translated through a man of God. Yeah. Um, or the church telling them what it is that it says. Um, but again, you get, like I said, almost the devil stepping in there. Well, I can easily take care of this. I'll just get everybody looking at different translation, different theological interpretation, and just continue to break down. For now, you got more churches that believe what doctrine says than what the word says and yep. more on tradition than the word and it still causes even more of a turmoil between churches of the same faith let alone different faiths that it makes that unity difficult because well our church doctrine says but that's not what the word says you know you go back to splits in the history you know we mentioned earlier just the king king james bible a lot carried it because it was the only english translation when the uh geneva got burnt yeah. 
Oh, the Geneva, is that what it was? <clears throat> yeah, they got rid of that translation. Because okay. uh, I was, I knew King, the Geneva was the first English translation, right. right? Yeah. Then you had the King Henry was the first to put the Church of England on it. Yeah. And then King James was you had more splits in the church because you had the Puritans. You had all these already little factions of what they wanted the church to be. Didn't agree. Well, the price of printing, the price of creating a book so expensive, if your family could only afford one, it was going to be the Bible. Yeah. And there's only one you could buy if you wanted to read it yourself. So it kind of narrowed it down, but they carried it as their only choice. But as it went forward, it became more tradition to have it than it was let's translate it to something more readable. Until you get into later years where you get more and more translations and you know, something that you have more original copies come forward you had people being able to go back to the original documents, the original languages, and translate it straight into English versus into other languages and then down into English. Yeah, and and so then you have the churches that are, uh, I mean, you, like, we, like you're saying, it could be just the doctrine, it could be tradition, it could be uh, the way, you know, like... They the one the one of the things that you'll hear that's the worst thing you'll ever hear is, well that's just the way it's always been you know that's just the way we always did. there there are traditions in the church that and of course this could be its own episode altogether that are traditions and we do them and if you don't do it you're looked down on, um, but there's nothing in the Bible that really says hey you need to do this. Uh, and then there's a lot of in- inconsistencies even in those traditions in those churches. And I make this statement as kind of a joke statement, but I mean, it's, it's real. Every service, we stand up for the reading of the Word, right? Right. If we don't, if we sit down and you look around, people will be like, why aren't you standing up? We're reading the Word of God, right? And then we stand up for the first five, six verses. We pray, we sit down. And the next 40 verses that are read throughout the service, we don't stand up for. So am I being irreverent by not standing for the first ones? Or are we all not being irreverent by standing up for all of them? We get caught up in this. It's, it's just what we do. We stand. If you really wanted to do it right, you would stand up every time you're reading a Bible verse or not stand up at all. And so... There you get into the whole tradition, then you have doctrine, then you have what the word actually says, you know. And so people, people can get all tore up over stuff. And so, I'm trying right. to find this. You go back to the early Christian church as well. Uh, you look at worship today. Yeah. <laughs> we bow our heads. We pray. We bow our heads. And so I'm going to different parts of the, the word and bring out where you're supposed to bow in reverence. Be humbling. Um, but you go back to the early church, and they didn't really preach a lot. There was a worship, a singing at the church. Well, they always looked towards heaven because that's where God was. Yeah, they looked up. When they prayed, they looked up to where God was. Yeah. Unless they were in somber, somber, 
somber yeah. prayer, humble prayer for themselves, where they were just distraught, like Jesus in the garden. You know, we picture him just weeping. So he's kind of bent over and bowed on his knees. But the paintings all have him looking up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, we don't know. Yeah. But everything in the early church history was they looked to where they believed God was at. Yeah. Well, then that makes, because when you're in prayer mode versus praise mode. Right. When you're in praise mode, it's easy to rock your head back, hands up, and, and, and worship, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I got what you're saying. That, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know. It's talking about the early church. Okay, so the Reformation, uh, explain to those listening. <laughs> uh, it's hard not to say that. Explain to those listening. Okay, so uh, we're 2019. Uh, the church started roughly in uh, Jesus was 33 when he was when he was crucified, and he was born 5 BC. They think ish. so. You're looking at in 25 AD. We're we're ish. We're starting the the crucifixion and on. Right. So uh, I wonder if people will put that together and have a a, a big celebration for that year. So anyway, so. Um, uh, you had just the church. It wasn't a denomination. It wasn't. There was unity at the very beginning. Even then, then the early church, as we look at that first part, was not the church as we see it today. People got to remember oh, that no. all the early believers were Jews that followed Jesus. They were all Jews like him. It wasn't until you got Paul going out and preaching to the Gentiles that really the Christian church as we know it started to, to come spread, along. Yeah, yeah. Um, officially what we would call the church beginning was around the first century. Yeah. And what we know it today didn't come after till Emperor Constantine said Christianity for the Roman Empire. And that kind of established the foothold for Christianity completely. Because it went from an outlawed sect of Judaism to its own official religion. Yeah. And it took uh, the emperor of a previously pagan system to actually be the one. And Constantine was actually a Christian, right? He but, walked both lines. It did he? Yeah, he's a fence. Okay. Uh, but I mean, but he, he is part of the reason he moved uh, the capital to Constantine. Uh, from Rome was to get away from the uh, the idol worship and, and such. If he walked the line, then then you know that's not uncommon today. But right, he as we would call it, he walked in the world in yeah in the church very lukewarm. Yeah, um, he did what he did. He was a politician. <laughs> um, not putting any politicians down, but he played both both sides. Uh, you know, we celebrate Christmas December 25th as Jesus' birthday. And we, we know, know that we, it was in March. Right, March, April, somewhere in that spring Passover or when they would do the census. But he can he combined it with a pagan God festival where they brought presents, everything where we get the presents from. But it made the conversion easier that, hey, look, he was born the same time the festival stays. Yeah. He actually didn't get baptized soul right at his deathbed. 
So he did what he had to do to try and unify the empire. Um, so, I mean, great for Christianity. It, you know, got more it, out there. Yeah, it was definitely good. But he, he did a politician thing. He played what he had to to try and make everybody happy to make everything move smoothly. Yeah. And then you fast forward in time um, to some of the bad days. <laughs> you know, the, the what we call the dark, dark ages, ages. Of, of Christianity. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition of of sorts. It's not the the Mel Brooks's Inquisition. You know, right. it's not it's not a, it's not a dance number. It was like you either convert to Christianity or we will kill you. Exactly. That is insane, and and that is a complete and utter um, uh, travesty in the church that in our history. Like, why did we do that? What was the purpose of that? So. But we're saying that the Inquisition, then you have people who are doing the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. Instead of winning people for Jesus with love and mercy and compassion, it's convert or die. And uh, and we forget that that's in our history. We forget that that even happened. And that's and it's uh and I don't honestly I don't know the history enough to be able to say how long that happened. It may have only been a couple of years. It might have been a decade. I don't I don't really know. Hundreds of years. Was it that long? Because you had the Roman Whoa. Empire that started it once they converted. It was, a lot of it was, you're no longer worshiping the Roman pagan gods. You're a Christian, or you're going to die. Now, the Inquisition was in the 1200s, or? Yes. Okay. Um, and that was the early Catholic Church, which every faith you go back has some dark history. Oh, yeah. Um, pushing for, as... The empire moved and conquered. You have the church going, new land. Nope, you're no longer worshiping whatever spirits, gods, nature, whatever you worshipped. You're going to convert or they will kill you. And it was usually started with the top of whatever tribe or area they went into. They would slaughter them, and then it was easier to bring in the yeah. normal people. Yeah, bring in their own kind. So this this goes to what we were talking about where the devil says... Let's, let's twist it. So now, a lot of people will say, why would I want to be a Christian? Because look what Christianity has done in the past. And the answer is absolutely, I understand that. Why would you want to be a part of something that used to be that way? And and that's and that's what we deal with. That's what we deal with today when we write something, a God-type comment on a post, or if we post something on social media, and then you have your atheist friends go, well, why would I want to be a part of that? Well, you know what? There's a part of you that has to go, I know. And, and we do. On the other side of that, if you look, and that's wants to be their reasoning or excuse. Yeah. Okay. Let's go take religion out of it. Look at human history. Yeah. It yeah. is no different. It's so no why different. do you want to be a part of hu- humanity? <laughs> yeah. And it may even be worse in some cases. Yeah. But- it goes back a lot further on what humans do to humans. You look at what. For us in the Bible, start with Cain and Abel. Jealousy yeah. caused yeah. the first murder. Yep. And that just continued. You know, you have, you know, also, you know, wars start over, you know, money, women, or land. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what do most fights start between two people? Yes. Same pride, thing. yeah. yeah. You know, pride gets in there. Yeah. Uh, 
But, you know, you come up to where we're about to talk about the Reformation. You know, Martin Luther, you know, God speaking to him directly. Because at the time, the church sold what was called indul indulgences. And what that was was, well, let me sell you a get-out-of-hell-free card. And you could go and pay and get an indulgence. was a piece of paper from the church that for whatever price the priest or that church set, you got a paper that absolved you from all sins, past, present, future. It's crazy. And it just, as he read more into it, well, how can that be? He was able to question the doctrine. Right. Where at that time, obviously, not as many people could read and write. And then even if they could, this they didn't have a lot of access to Scripture. Didn't have access. Most didn't speak Latin. Yeah, because well, yeah, it was only in Latin. Martin Luther translated it from Latin to German, correct? And that's the one that posted a page on the yes. wall. And like, just, uh, posted it right up on the church doors. That was the, that was the first post. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's crazy to think uh, from from the when you get into denominations, right? Uh, I was talking to the Catholic priest here in town today, and he said that he thinks that there's a hundred different denominations represented here in Beauregard Parish. I don't think there's that many, but I have to start counting because there are a bunch of different denominations. So you yeah. start getting the different types of denominations. That's what this podcast is kind of about. So I can give a little clarification on that. Okay. For us, if you come down Park Street <laughs> and you hit the stop sign there at Texas and High School Drive. Yes. All right. From this spot in town to my house is about two and a half miles. You're talking about where that corner is, where the lady... Right there, Park Drive, Texas. Yeah, right there where that big where, corner is. Where yeah. you can turn to go to high school or down oh, towards. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. From that yeah. intersection oh, yeah, yeah. to my Assembly house God. that is on the church, on that road or can be seen within half a block, we have counted 15 churches. And there's and there's Assembly of God, there's a Word of Faith Church, Rivers of Living Water, which I'm going to have him on here before too long. He's a good guy. Baptist you have a, Church. There's a Wesleyan Church. There's an Episcopal Church. There's Baptist Churches. There's a Nazarene church. There's Lutheran, uh, Pentecostal. If you if you look hard enough, you'll see down the. If you look down the one road, you can see some Presbyterian a Presbyterian church. Uh, then you have Grace. Then you have the Catholic church. Of church. Christ. church of Christ is right there. Yeah. So I this is just looking down and being able to drive and look to see that many different in roughly two miles. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's and that and that's part of okay. So. A few years ago, I forget where I was and who I was with, or if it was on TV or, or in person, I don't recall. Uh, but I heard someone say that they believe toward the end that the denominational barriers will start to melt away as the Spirit is being outpoured, that there will be a melting of denominational barriers. Uh, and I really believe that. I mean, I may be wrong, but I really believe that. And that's part of the reason this podcast is. That's part of the reason I'm bringing different denominations into this because – as you, um, as somebody listening, let's say they grew up in in the Episcopal Church, right? So I don't know anything about the Episcopal Church. I just know people who are in the Episcopal Church. I grew up in a in a denomination called the Church of God, which is a Trinitarian Pentecostal church. You know, and I say I have to say Trinitarian because there's non-Trinitarian Pentecostal churches around here. You know, uh, 
But one thing that there's one thing that melts us all together. There's there's a there's more than one. There's a lot of things we all agree on. Every church, there's a lot of things we all agree on. And if we can find out what those other denominations are, then it would be easier for us to say, okay, well, now that I know that you believe the same thing that I do about when it comes to uh, when it comes to the fact that Jesus is the Son of a Living God, of the Living God, He was He was crucified, He was buried. Three days later, He resurrected. Ten days later, He ascends into heaven, or eight, seven days later, He ascends into ascends into heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for us. We all agree on that. Right. Uh, for the most part, we all can sit and say, hey, we agree on that. So then when we have these conversations with a Mennonite person, which I'm looking forward to that interview too, uh, the Mennonites or Catholics or uh, uh, even Calvinists or whatever, we can all come to the point of understanding, that, hey, we don't have to argue over the things that we disagree about. Because as Paul said, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, uh, for I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. That's all that matters. And and that's the crutch of it. I got a little chart here that I wrote down. And I've seen, this is just mine. I've seen the actual chart somebody spent a lot of time who's highly educated, way more than me, that actually did this. Uh, there's two types of people in the world. There's two. Only, there's only two. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. Everybody. A Gentile is a non-Jew. Uh, my whole life, I heard that in the Bible and didn't even know what it was, you know. So, because uh, I just never asked. So, you're either a Jew or a Gentile. If you're a Christian, there are two types of Christians. You're either a Catholic or a Protestant. Inside the Protestant group, this it's, is when we get crazy. Yes. And even in the Catholic Church now, there's a split. There's what's called the uh, Vatican II, which uh, I, I'm really curious. I've been reading about it. Um, so here on my list, I got the Protestants are broken into two uh, main groups. You have the evangelical Protestants and the non-evangelical Protestants. Uh, evangelical being the ones who evangelize, the ones that want their message out and people to hear about the gospel of Christ. And then there's people who, for some reason, they don't. They don't you know. So obviously we're evangelical. But in the evangelical world, there's three types. And that's what's crazy. Like we're, We can break this down forever. Uh, you have the spirit-filled churches, which is your charismatic, your Pentecostals, uh, your word of faith, and, right. and such as that. You have your non-spirit-filled churches, which are your uh, would be more of your Baptist, um, maybe Episcopal would be uh, non-spirit-filled. I don't, I don't know. That's what we're learning. Uh, and then you have your holiness, non-spirit-filled, which is kind of crazy to me because spirit-filled churches are holiness churches. But then you have holiness churches that aren't spirit-filled. Those are your Wesleyan churches, your Methodist church, your Nazarene church, uh, the Church of God of Anderson, Indiana. Uh, and so there's all these denominations. There's all these different things. But we can all come back up to a finally, if you look in this in a reverse form, you flip the chart around, it all comes back to the top, and that's Jesus. And that, that's what's important right. is we get to that. And that's what my whole idea behind this is is to let's let's melt those barriers by learning the other one what does the other one believe uh when it comes to the denominational part of the podcast because there's the three parts so when we're doing the denominational part that's what i want to do and i'm excited about this these right, conversations and, you know again we talk about these splits they've been going on for the first protestant church was formed it was 
uh, Wycliffe, uh, Martin Luther, others out there just trying to translate the Bible into a form that everybody could read. Uh, first, what would be considered the, for Protestant church, the Church of England, established by Henry VIII. I am, I am. So he could get a divorce. Yeah. That was his purpose. But it worked out. You know, it's it crazy. It? I mean, God has a plan. He'll use whatever tools he has. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you calling Henry VIII a tool? Anyway, sorry. Well, <laughs> eight wives trying to get a male that he's... It was eight or six. Six. Yeah. Henry VIII, six And he wives. beheaded one, and he had, like... One oh, in prison. Yeah. But... Then he finally I mean, got the divorce. Look at, we're and, all yeah. an instrument or a tool that God uses to achieve his greater plan. Yes, absolutely. You know? God... If, if you look at a tool as something that could be used to achieve something else, that's what we're here for. Yeah. So, my word for it is I'm a tool. Yeah. I, when I say tool, when I say you're a tool, uh, some people get offended by that. But what I mean is you're an instrument of, of someone's right. design. Right. up in yeah. Southern California, you say yeah. a tool, you're talking someone's an idiot. You're there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a good way. Yeah, well, and, and really in no way should it be. But, um, but you know, as people go, and again, it's the devil coming in and using pride or disagreement to split the church. We talked about spirit-filled. Well, there's some that believe the Holy Spirit came, did the filling on the day of Pentecost, and he's that was gone. it. He left. Yeah. So I believe he's still here. He's yeah. still working. He's still the comforter that Jesus said would be here. Those differences cause splits. Yep. And other beliefs cause splits. Um, <clears throat> just recently, kind of gave me a piffy on how that, again, we don't know how the devil works. We don't know how God keeps us on track. Um, <clears throat> but I read C.S. Lewis. Screw tape letters. My wife just bought that book. She's talking about it. And it's all of a junior fiend basically speaking with his boss, who's, you know, a senior fiend, but also his uncle trying to take him under his wing and help him out on how the devil, you know, sends out his minions, for lack of a better word, to do things. It's not big dramatic stuff. It's push a little bit here, encourage here. You know, but he says in there, we don't know how the enemy, speaking of, God's angels, messengers. We can't see, you know, they can't see what they're doing. They yeah. don't know what they're saying. So each side's working with what reacting to what is being done by us and trying to steer us the right way. So you look at that in a split, oh, that's gone. Spirit's no longer here. And you get enough where we spin it in our head and we make it true. Yes. Then our price have said, no, you're wrong, I'm right. Yep. I'm going to take everybody that believes with me over here and start a new church. Were you going to, uh, by the way, we go to Crossway Church here in Dorito, Louisiana. Uh, Pastor Vic, great guy. Yes. Uh, he's from Southern California. He's from Los Angeles. He's a character. Uh, uh, were you there when he took over, or did you come after that? When, when pastor, senior pastor, a what? year after. Okay, so the pastor before his name was Kenneth Smith, not Dennis Smith. Yeah. I, I realized that one day that your name was Dennis Smith, and it's so much like Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth was not not disparaging toward anybody, but Kenneth was one of my favorite pastors of all time. Uh, his 
demeanor, the way he would do stuff on stage, the way he would talk. Uh, he'd get his wife up on stage and just embarrass her to death. Uh, and just, but, but it was all in love and jest. And, and uh, one thing that he said uh, as he was relinquishing the, the pastorate to Pastor Vic, uh, he it was talking about how uh, division in the church, not our church, but division in the church, just stuff like that. And so it kind of fits with all this. Uh, but then, because he had said that, uh, I, re- re- I remember after Pastor Vic took over, we, at the time we were doing two services. We had the, uh, I believe it was uh, 9 and 9.30, I think it was 9.30 and 11 or something, I don't remember the exact times. But we had two services on Sunday morning. The early service was more of a uh, traditional uh, power and blood, blah blah blah, and and hymns and and when I say traditional, I mean like hymns and uh, like the praise worship courses from like the sixties, seventies, and eighties, and maybe early nineties. And then you had second service, which is basically what we have now. It's just more of a contemporary, more of a uh, of a just a separate style of worship. Uh, the the Anything outside of worship was identical except for the time. That was it. And I remember when uh, Pastor Vic announced it was going to one service that I saw a I saw a melting right there. I saw that it wasn't a division uh, because we didn't like each other. It was just because it was a preference. We prefer this type of music. We prefer sleeping in. You know, we prefer getting up early and going to church. And and even it was really funny is Mr. Norm and Miss Pam who were moving, yeah, devastating. Uh, but I didn't really get to know them until the church merged the services because we always went to second service and they always went to first service. And even Phil and Anita, I didn't get to know them a lot because they were also uh, first service. You know, I got to know them more on Wednesday nights and such. But but when. Uh, we start seeing that melting of the church, even in our even in our congregation uh, at Crossway, we saw that melting, and it was so, it was so. Uh, it took a minute. It took a little bit for us to kind of fill it out, to get the music figured out, get the worship figured out. Right. Had to learn new people when you're shaking hands and stuff during the offering and such. But uh, it, it, it is. I'm so glad we did that. I'm so glad we brought that together. Uh, and I've actually read an article. Uh, I forget who posted it, and I'm sorry for not having that with me, but uh, it was talking about how bad it is that churches have... It's one thing to have three or four services on Sunday, as long as they're all identical. But when you have different types of worship services for different times on Sunday morning, then what you do is you create a... Basically, it's a different church using the same building. right? And... But I, I'm okay with that, I guess, you know, to a point where I'm okay, not with the division, but I'm okay with the idea of having what's more comfortable to you. I mean, some people cannot worship to certain types of music. They just, they need to get over that because in heaven, who knows what we're going to be listening right. to. And you look at Grand Episcopal Church, at least when I grew up in it, it was hymns and only hymns. <laughs> Bringing in the sheaves. And... When I first really felt the pull come back to the church, to, you know, I took my family to a church like what I grew up to. Yeah. My kids were not responsive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but 
as later went, we found a more contemporary. They were able to, you know, be more attentive, kind of get more, all right, what is going on? What is this that I'm missing? You know, and it's not people like, oh, you're trying to change the church, you know, to meet the people. Which happens a lot. It does. But at some point, I mean, Jesus went to where the people were. True. And all he did was speak truth, but he made it in a comfortable setting for them so they would listen and understand. Yep. So if contemporary music brings the people in to hear the word. As long as it's Christ-centered. Yes. Yeah. You know, when you start getting uh, huge production is more than... Yeah. Um, is more of the focus than staying, you know, centered on Christ. But you get, again, you get people that look at, you know, like I said, I came a year after the changeover, so I never saw Pastor Kenneth preach. But as I was getting involved in the church and to hear, I'd be like, well, where's Pastor Vic? And have somebody that has been there a long time go, who? I'm like, Pastor Vic, oh, you mean Brother Vic. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it's a, he will uh, not be my pastor. Really? I'm like, this is who's now appointed, basically appointed by God to be the senior pastor. No, no. Pastor Kenneth is my pastor. That would be Brother Vic, and that's all he is. That is a division right there. Oh, man. I didn't know it was that bad. I know a lot of people have left. Uh, you know, some still come, but they still won't relate. That's where kind of in my mindset, I don't know if you're on that Wednesday where I taught, and I talked about, you know, the enemy uses, you know, the non-using of terms, you know, for positions. When we're out doing uh, an outreach or something to not recognize our pastors, you know, our senior pastor, our associate pastors with that title, it shows almost a disrespect to the world because the world is very caught up on titles. Yeah. And it's not to satisfy them, but it's to show them that we have respect for that person in their position. And even in the church, if we're sitting around and we're fishing and we're barbecuing, it's a different story. Um, kind of like I had one, you know, one NCO when I was young in the military. He goes, you know, we're sitting around, we're grilling, we're eating. It's first names. Uniform goes on, it's rank and last name. He goes, if you can't do that, we can't do the two sides. So if we can't recognize in a small setting that when something changes, we have to adapt to that change and that prior pastor's no longer there yeah we have to accept in that new one because that's who god's put there you know one of my favorite ones to talk to people on is romans 13 you know good or bad god's appointed everybody and he's talking about government but that's in any position that's uh, yeah that's even the president that you don't like <laughs> right the president, you say well i didn't elect him well god still put him there for yeah. a reason you know because we can't rule ourselves. It's yeah. what the word says. So if God's appointed somebody new as a pastor, it shouldn't be your excuse to leave. It shouldn't be your excuse to grab other members of the church and go create your own church. If you're following Christ, it's let's stay here and be unified. And, you know, let's welcome in that new leader and help him meld into us and us meld to what little bit of change there is. Yeah. You know, it's not about liking who's speaking. It's about the word. Yeah. And and that's why um, that's why it's so important for, like, when he when he 
relinquish when we let go and let Pastor Vic take over. Uh, he, I mean, we didn't see him for a long time. He he separated himself, and 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 it's good to see him now. It's good to have him in there, and uh, and but he, like I said, I mean, and you 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 tend to go to what you're comfortable to. You tend to go what right. what makes you feel good. But what's important is that 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 needs to be the word. The word needs to be our base. That needs to be the foundation of who we are. What's the 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 word? You know the. Uh, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it became flesh and walked among us, Jesus. And then later it calls Jesus the chief cornerstone. So the cornerstone being the foundation of building the building was the that cornerstone. Um, and I think that ultimately when we come away from you know any conversation that we have with someone from another denomination, and whether it's... Uh, Hopefully it's not heated, and hopefully it's a calm and and good time. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, hopefully it's not heated and it's calm. You know, we're we're good. We walked away. We're happy. We got to know somebody. Got to know something different about them. But ultimately, we have to work together because we have an enemy that's coming after us with guns ablazing, and and we wish it was just guns because then we would know how to fight that. But we had a uh, here in Derrider, um We had a freshman commit suicide the mm. other day, uh, and he wasn't just a freshman. He was at, over the last few years has become friends with my my daughter, and and the enemy does not differentiate between he he's not going oh you know that's a kid I'm gonna leave him alone no when we read in the Bible where. Uh, Jesus cast the demon out of a child, and and the, all the uh, the uh, disciples were like, "Well, we couldn't do it. How how come you were able to do it?" And and, and then and when he was questioning the dad, he said, "How long has he been like this?" And he said, "Since he was a small child." We know that the devil can do that to these children, and but what we we have this concept in our mind. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says he can. That is possible, but what we do in our hopes and, and dreams and our doctrine and our theology concepts and stuff like that is we forget that's what the Bible says is possible, and we put this barrier around our thinking that God won't allow them to touch our children. Right. But we all you have to do is go read the Bible and you find out it is true. Yeah, I think it affects us more because an adult. I'm not trying to. To me, especially people that have issues being military also suffering from PTSD and uh, others out there that suffer from it. The close calls and the thoughts that come in that we have to battle off. But when an adult will take their own life, you know, take that gift God's given them, we're like, well, they made a choice. When something, whether it's illness, suicide, a tragic event happens to a child, the first thing we do is look at, well, how could God let it happen? Yeah. The enemy used it to affect our perception of God. You know, he wants us to look and go, well, if he would, why would he let that happen to children? Because we consider them innocent. Yeah. You know, we look at everything that they haven't been able to make that choice. They, you know, they don't know yet. They haven't lived a life yet. So for them to do something like that, 
first thing we want to do is blame God for it. But we don't know what thoughts and stuff the enemy has implanted there that that door opened and our human mind spun. And whatever age we are, if you can get a thought and you let it start spinning in there and we let it grow, that's all the enemy needs. Yeah. Get it in there and we can let it grow and fester ourselves till it's big, dark, and ugly. And if we don't know how to reach out properly, we take the wrong paths. It, Whether that's suicide, drugs, alcohol, something else to try and deal with that darkness. And and that's why I think it's important, uh, in my opinion. I think it's really important for us to stop arguing denominations when there's still whether whether the the denominations in this town or in all the towns in America or all the towns in the world whether those denominations argue or work together there's a need for the church to help the non-churched there's a need for the church to help the church yes and if we're focused on uh our arguments and we're focused on the um denominational or oh you read the king james you should read the niv or the niv you shouldn't read that because it's this and that well the fact is that no matter what if you read your bible and you applied that to your life then you actually did it it doesn't matter what translation is you'll look and see a family who's struggling and having a horrible time whatever it is or or uh there's a guy that that i've known Who's now his daughter's tied up in meth, and she's dealing with he's dealing with her jail stuff, and he's like all this stuff, and she's grown, and I'm like, there's a part of me that says, well, she's grown, what are you gonna do? But then you know, and I'm like, no, I can't be that way. What can I be? How can I be supportive? How can I help? How can I be Christ-like? How can I have this? And we we can all come together, and there are there are organizations in this town, and there are organizations worldwide where they're coming together and they're helping and they're doing things that are uh, needed to be done. And I'm glad they're there. I'm, I'm really grateful that those organizations and groups exist. Uh, but there needs to be more of that. And that would be a lot easier if we, to me, if it goes back to that thing called root cause analysis. Don't look at the division in the church as the problem. Look at what's causing the division in the church. What what is the root, root, root cause of everything? The root cause to me of all things evil, twisted, and maniacal is the devil. If we know that, we understand that, we understand that the only weapon that defeats the devil, it isn't your reading of the Bible. It isn't your praying. It isn't your translation you read. It's the blood of Christ. It's Christ and Him crucified. And if we can come to that point together, now even me saying that, there's going to be people who disagree with that. Uh, so now what do we do? How, how do how do we go from there? And so um, there are there is a massive need for people to know who Jesus is, and then even once they know, there's still a massive need for us to know more and work yeah. together. And and our church is a good example. We do work together. We do a lot of stuff together. Uh, there's problems in every church, every congregation. You're going to run into that. That's not a problem. I mean, well, it is a problem, but I mean, it's not at the ordinary. Uh, but I want to see a, a unified church like like on a, I alluded to it earlier. 
day of Pentecost, they were all in one mind and one accord. And they were all in a room praying together. Yes. 120 people. All in, can you imagine what would happen today if we can get 120 people together in one mind and one accord? That's just what we, we we don't even think it's possible. We're, we we look at that number like 120. No, nah, see, no, it won't work because of this and that. Like it would not. You know, there's no way we could do that we, today. Yeah. Even there's way more people now than there was then. They believe there's like what uh, 250 million people on the planet when Jesus died, and there's 300 million in the United States now. Yeah, it's just is it possible anymore? But keep trying, keep fighting it. Yeah, on our. Uh scripture today one verse that really stuck out to me as well kind of leads to the why to strive for unity in the church as a whole look at verse 6 okay says and the lord said look they are one people and they have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do yeah nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them after that, he talks about scattering everybody because of what could be possible. Which means God's point of view, because he can see it all, the possibilities weren't good. Yeah. If it was good and going to be beneficial and follow God's line, he would have let it stay. He wouldn't have scattered us. So if we could come together unified in one mind, one accord, for God... Nothing would be impossible. And it says it right there. But for him to scatter us, he had to see there was going to be bad. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, he's God. He's all seeing. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to look at the tournament. Why would he, if it wasn't some bad on the outcome or there wasn't, I mean, he did the flood because of how much evil there was. All right. He wasn't going to flood again. So he scatters because he foresaw all the evil that would come from one accord at that time the so, the prophecy in genesis three fifteen that says that he will uh bruise the head with his heels and his heels will be bruised by your head didn't go away because no. of the flood it didn't go away because of david it didn't or and, and Bathsheba. it didn't go away because of david and goliath and, and the palestinians when god makes a promise that promise is solid and and that came to pass. We, we we have Christ, and He's defeated the devil. And where you can get in a lot of denominational splits here is that people have a hard time understanding what God has done for us already, and they tend to just kind of hope. And we can get into that uh, at another time. Um, we're already an hour into this, so okay. uh, I, I just I just wanted to. I think this is fun and this is great because it's interesting because we have to get to that uh, unity in the church. How do we do that? What's now? Now here, here it is. We've done this. We've said this. Now what do we do? You know, how do we? What do we? What's plans and process? I think if you're listening, uh, one of the things you can even start is uh, find someone in your family that disagrees with you, uh, you know, doctrinally, theologically. And say, uh, why do you believe that? Why? And just go into it with an open mind, an open heart. Understand where they come from. You don't have to agree with it. But you can say, okay, awesome. 
Well, this is, but find those things. A friend of mine, and I'll have him on here. His name is Preston Shirley. I've known him since kindergarten, first grade. He's one of my oldest friends. Uh, Preston said in high school that why do we argue about the things we disagree with when we all love Jesus? And, man, that was so powerful. And at, and at that time, I was arguing a lot. <laughs> so he, he kind of shut me down. You know, like I was arguing constantly with people, and he kind of shut me down with that. Which, well, you know what? It's Christ and him crucified. It is, it is, it is Jesus. It is the Father, and, he, and the Holy Spirit is here with us today. Uh, he has not gone away. He is still here. Uh, we can read that in Revelation and stuff. But um, I, 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 I want to empower people to find ways of, of, of bridging them gaps, you know, bridge the gap between denominations or your, and if you have to do it with, you know, like I said, your coworkers, your family, start, start yeah. small. Until we figure out how to bridge the gaps and differences, the, the enemy still has a foothold. Absolutely. A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're talking about just in Christianity. We're not talking about everything else that goes because there's christians who politically disagree with other christians and then you got that that's on top of it so, right but then you know hey before there was a politics there was jesus long after there's politics there's jesus the constitution will fade away but the word of god never will right and what god has done will never fade away and so Let's not get too caught up in the arguments over that because there's countries, there's Christians out there who don't even know what the U.S. Constitution, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, they don't even know what that is. Right? They, but they, you start talking about Genesis 11 and they know exactly what you're talking about. Right. And so let's, let's, uh, let's get back to a unified state somehow. You know, we have to, we have to think about it. We have to pray about it, you know. So, uh, I knew this would happen. I knew we would just go and go and go. And, and I'm and, and everybody says forty five minutes. You know, don't go over that. But it's so hard because this Sometimes is such it is. it's such a good rich conversation, and especially when you have a Bible discussion, it's right. even it's even crazier. So Sorry. thanks thanks for being a part. Thanks for helping. Oh, thank you for having me, John. I want to do this again, and we got to. I'm sure that between me, you, and uh, some other guys, we can have years worth of conversations to have uh so uh if you would pray us out of this and let's right. have a good weekend uh father we just thank you for this time that we could come together that we could speak about your word speak about what it means to us about your church by bringing your church back together that this word just goes out over the podcast that it reaches those out there that it gets more individuals thinking about how to bring the church back under just under one accord of mutual agreement that we can just come together without trying to split or argue or prideful that we can come and even to start off by agree to disagreeing, but to get together and be able to speak and start having conversations and leave still shaking hands and smiling. As we go into this weekend, Lord, that you keep us safe and just keep us more focused on you each and every day. All in your Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And like always, remember that Jesus and I love you. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening.